Hello, and welcome back to the Missing in the Desert podcast. I wanted to take a moment and thank those of you who have been coming back to listen to this case regarding Chrissy Stewart. Um, This is going to be part three of her case. And before we start, I wanted to put out a disclaimer. Uh, First of all, again, thank you to everybody who comes back to listen. Um, I did want to mention that I have a permanent injury to my vocal cords from a surgery. So I do sound like I constantly have laryngitis. So to anyone that that might be a little off-putting to, um, I apologize, but not something I can help. I just felt that the subject matter for this podcast was important enough to put out there regarding my voice. So again, thank you. And now we are going to proceed on with part three. So today's episode, part three of the case of Christy Stewart, a 29-year-old woman who went missing from Apple Valley, California, on March 3rd, 2015. In this installment of Christy's case, I will be discussing the circumstances under which her truck was found in the desert, as well as some mysterious cell phone pings from her phone after her truck was found. As mentioned in previous episodes, Christy went missing from a busy shopping center um, in Apple Valley, California on March 3rd, 2015. Bloodhounds that were arranged by her parents to track Christy's movements from the dentist office she had been in that day had tracked her scent to shopping center across the street and to a bed, bath, and beyond, back out again, and then the scent disappears around the side of that building. Unfortunately, that is the last known whereabouts of Christy Stewart. Five days later, on March 8, 2015, Christy's truck was found in a remote desert area approximately 9.5 miles from where she was last seen. I've mentioned previously about the frustration of Christy being classified as a voluntary missing person. What this label meant when her truck was found was that it would prevent her truck being processed at the scene where it was found. Instead, it was left where it was discovered for approximately three days to be towed later to a different location to be examined. This also meant that the scene was contaminated by allowing the tow truck driver into her vehicle before it had been properly forensically processed. So once again, had Christy been classified even as a suspicious or critical missing person right away, her truck would have been processed at the scene where it was found. Now let's discuss what was found inside of Christy's truck and what wasn't. Don and Ginger Stewart, Christy's parents, would later tell Dateline that her shoes, glasses, a bra, and medication were found inside the truck. The medication they referred to was the prescription Christy had picked up from Rite Aid on the day of her disappearance following her dental appointment. This Rite Aid, um, incidentally, was in the shopping center, also where Bed Bath & Beyond was located, also across the street from the dentist's office. What was glaringly missing from the truck, though, was Christy's cell phone. Authorities knew she had had this with her the day she went missing, as she had been in touch with her friend while she was out and about running these errands to let her know she was on her way over to spend the night that evening. With this in mind, the fact that her phone was not located in her truck when it was recovered did stand out. Now, this next part is where the two topics I'm going to focus on in this episode overlap. So to everyone's knowledge at this point, when Christy's truck was found, her phone was not in it. 
this definitely was confirmed by authorities who had gone to the scene. There's no argument to this fact that I have come across in any of my interviews I've seen or documentation that I have read on this case. Then the strangest thing happens. Christie's cell phone pings off a cell tower 10 to 15 miles from where her truck was found and after it was already an impound. This is something that has also been confirmed by authorities. I have it on good authority that it didn't just ping once, but several times. Fast forward now to the 24th of March, when Christie's parents are allowed to go pick up Christie's truck from the impound. When they arrive and her truck is being pulled up, before they even unlock the vehicle, they can clearly see through the window that Christie's phone is sitting neatly on the bench seat. Let me say that again. Her candy apple red phone was on the black bench seat of the truck and stuck out like a sore thumb just lying there. They immediately called the detective on the case and turned the phone over to him without touching it. Considering that the impound was located in a different city than where the phone pinged, this raises serious questions. If Christie's phone was not in her truck when it was first recovered, how was it pinging multiple times in a neighboring city and then ultimately found in her truck as if it had been neatly placed there. Considering the truck was left in the desert where it was found before being taken to impound, is it possible someone went back and placed the phone in the car? Is it possible that a bright candy apple red phone could have been missed on first examination against a black interior? This element of Christie's case has kept me up at night. There's one more thing I want to talk about when it comes to where the truck was located. This area where the truck was discovered is an area known as Fairview Valley. It is nothing but deserted desert, but at the same time, very flat and open. And, and I want to clarify this because in this area where all this took place and the neighboring cities, I mean, this is considered the high desert and there's definite desert landscape out here. Tons of cacti, um, a lot of tumbleweeds. You know, there are areas that, you know, there is brush and, and different things. And, you know, it, it's, it's not what I consider this other area to be, which literally is just flat, dry land. Not even a lot of cacti, not a lot of underbrush or tumbleweeds. So um, I wanna mention that for a reason. So it's, it's nothing but deserted desert. Um, I mentioned this because only 2.5 miles away in the same deserted area that the truck was found, Christie's remains were discovered nearly four years after she disappeared. To put this into perspective, the Fairview Valley area had previously been heavily searched on multiple locations after the discovery of her truck. In fact, it was searched on foot, on ATVs, on horseback, and even from an aerial perspective. It troubles me that at the time of those multiple searches, if she had been out there somewhere in the desert, that somehow she was missed, only to have her partial remains discovered 2.5 miles from where her truck was found nearly four years later, that doesn't seem feasible to me, especially when you consider that this area is highly traveled by people riding motorcycles, ATVs, and hunters on a regular basis. And, you know, you're gonna be able to see this area 
And it's perfect for those sort of off-road activities because of a lack of, you know, cacti and and brush and whatnot. It's very flat and a a perfect place to ride vehicles like that. Um, In fact, it was hunters that found Christie's remains. So how did they go undiscovered for four years, especially when it had been searched multiple times? And when you consider that when they initially did these searches, which was immediately after she went missing, um, they would be looking for uh, a completely um, un- uh, hardly any decomposition human body, not just skeletal remains. So something like that should stand out, especially on an aerial search. So, you know, I, I really question how suddenly they just turn up. Um, how is it that when Christie's truck was found and the bloodhounds were brought in, they could not find her scent at the scene. This is especially baffling if you go with a theory that she just drove herself out to Fairview Valley and simply walked off. Now, the dogs definitely would have hit on her scent if that was the case, right? I mean, she would have had to have gotten out of her vehicle and walked off somewhere, so why wouldn't they be able to find a trail? Um, I am going to include a drone video of this area to give you a picture of just how open the Fairview Valley is. This isn't like searching for a needle in a haystack by any means. I can understand having to search through heavily wooded areas or tons of brush, but this was not the case at all. Also, you know, when it comes to any other theories, which we're going to get more into in the next episode, you know, when you consider if she drove out there and intended to do any harm to herself, you know, why walk off three miles and, and then do something? You know, why would you not just stay in your vehicle or stay where your vehicle is located if that was your intention. And, you know, I, I just think this whole scenario and with the phone pinging, you know, if she had her phone with her and maybe they just missed it in the truck, how can it ping 10 to 15 miles away from where her truck was found? I mean, this just does not make any rational sense in, in my mind. So How did Chrissy's cell phone miraculously end up in her truck days after it had pinged several miles away and after it had previously not been seen in the truck? How is it that her remains were found four years later, only 2.5 miles from where her truck was found in an area that had been previously searched multiple times by hundreds of people? These are just two factors of this case that will forever haunt me. We need to find answers for Christy and her family. In our next episode on the case of Chrissy Stewart, I'm going to discuss possible theories of what happened to her and where the case stands now that her partial remains have been found. Stay tuned and be sure to check out the drone video of where Chrissy's truck and remains were found in Fairview Valley. And I want to, I want to give one more piece of information here. Um, you know, we talked at the beginning of this podcast about there being a cluster of missing persons cases in this area, and we are going to be exploring all of those in this podcast once we wrap up what we know about Christie's case. And Christie's case is still ongoing. There's, you know, pending investigation going on, and we will be keeping you updated on anything we find out. But I just want to mention that the next case we will be discussing also has a lot of similarities to the disappearance of Christy Stewart.
So I want everyone to stay tuned because there's going to be a lot more on the horizon for this podcast and this next missing case when I present it. You know, you're going to really be scratching your head to say, how are these two cases not related? Even if everyone out there does not believe that they are. So do stay tuned and we will have our next episode up a week following this one. Thank you very much.